Welcome, everyone, to the Hillary Ramos Show, Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit Talk Radio, dedicated to inspiring the human spirit and raising the collective vibration one show at a time. Hi, everyone. I'm Hillary Ramos. Thank you for joining me this hour. I look forward to a journey filled with inspiration, laughter, and love. I hope to travel with you every week across the World Wide Web to bring connection into your life on all levels. I send each and every one of you love and light as we walk the journey together. During the show, I invite you to call in and email me with your questions. You can send your emails to me directly at Hillary at HillaryRamo.com. That's R-A-I-M-O.com. I personally answer all of them, and I am also available for private readings done by phone from anywhere in the world. You can find all of that information on my radio homepage right here on bbsradio.com. I invite you to join me this hour to discuss my new book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, Understanding Your Relationship with Abundance. We are going to be talking about money and you. Are you living your dreams? Are you able to stay balanced when it comes to debt, savings, and spending? How does money make you feel? Are you in control of your own destiny? Are you in love with all aspects of your life? If you answered no to any one of these questions or were unsure about the answer, stay tuned because this show is for you. So call me tonight, keep me company, and talk to me. Give me a call at 888-815-9756 and let's talk about your relationship with money. We are going to begin by talking about manifestation something I talk about at great length within my new book, which is available on Amazon.com. With what I call, you know, talking about manifestation, that means a lot of different things to different people. We hear a lot of talk about the law of attraction and what it means to draw something into our life. What I mean about, what I mean by when I talk about manifestation is what I call working with the four sacred aspects of self. In order to be effectively manifesting in your life, you have to understand at a very deep level what that means and how you do it. What does it mean to manifest something in your life right now? Do you, do you understand that concept or how do you move about it? Do you approach it like a sacred art or do you sabotage yourself perhaps just before it's about to pay off, perhaps financially or in other ways? How does one approach manifesting as an act of power? What does an act of power mean? An act of power means to approach something in a sacred way. We have lost the spiritual dimension of what it means to attract abundance into our life. Do you start something and never finish it? We talked about sabotage. Do you sabotage wealth and success because you are secretly afraid of what it would bring to your life? We always fear something when it comes to our success and drawing money into our life. Either we don't want the responsibility of money or we fear the changes that success would bring, perhaps being seen. Do you spend money as soon as you make it or do you hoard it, perhaps always saving for the future and missing and never living in the present moment? How do you choose to move out into the world? What is your relationship like with manifestation? You see, we all have some aspect, some 
way of being in the world that creates an energy. And money is no different. So, everybody out there, we are going to discuss these in many more questions this hour. So, thank you to those who have submitted questions for the show. I will be sure to get to all of them. And again, if you would like to call in and talk to me, please do. Let's get started, shall we? In my book, I begin with the concept of taking stock. And I'm not talking about the stock market. You see, this entire book does have some financial advice as far as how to organize and become on a, well, more healthy level, if you will, with your relationship with money. But it's not about money. And that's the key. It's about how you manifest in the world. It's about your relationship with yourself. So the concept of taking stock is really about taking a look at your life right now. Right now, where you're sitting, take a look at your life. Think about the things that you have, the things that you have perhaps accomplished or the things that you have perhaps wanted to accomplish but have not for whatever reason. What do you do with that feeling when you look around your life? What do you feel? Where do you feel it in your body? Do you feel anxious? You want to ask yourself those kinds of questions when you start to take stock of your life. Look around. Do you have a savings? Do you have debt? Is it something that you have a good relationship with? Do you have a good handle on your debt? Hmm? You know, there's something about your life that you feel needs work, and we all feel it. We all feel it in one way or another, and most likely it's felt as a void or as something missing. That sense of something's not quite right. So every day we strive. We strive harder and longer hours, putting in more and more effort and time and energy, and we run ourselves ragged, almost like being on a hamster wheel, if you will, going round and round and round in our lives until we get off one day and realize that perhaps we've made a mistake. And usually that moment comes when we have reached a a pivotal point in our lives where we are asked to look, really take stock of what we're doing, whether it's through some kind of health issue um, or we are faced with a loss of something very significant in our lives, something that we have identified with completely on several levels. I'd like for you to close your eyes for a moment. Please don't do this if you're driving. (laughs) Imagine yourself living the life you wish for. Imagine you have all the money you need. You pay your credit card balances in full every month. You have no revolving debt unless you choose to. You can finance anything you wish should you choose, and you can come and go as you please. You have no stress or anxiety about money at all, and you can very easily fulfill whatever it is that you want to do with your life. I want you to sit with that feeling. Allow yourself permission to sit with that feeling. What does that feel like? Notice in your body as you feel that, the freedom Do you feel any pain or discomfort? Make note of where you feel that pain or discomfort in your body, and we will return to that later this hour. Now open your eyes and look around you. 
That, everyone, is the difference between point A and point B. Taking stock of your life is what just happened when you opened your eyes and you are not living that freedom. What lies in between is a mixture of energetics that contain our conditioning, our mindsets, not only our mindsets, but others, but of those who have raised us or share our lives currently. Like a web of interconnecting threads, the pathway is there to achieve point B. However, we first have to navigate that web to cross the void to get there because there is a reason why we are not already there. It is, in a sense, a hero's journey, and you are the hero on the journey. And the point is the journey. So now we begin the long introspection of why and how and what, what is in that chasm that we have to cross to get to our, to our point B in our life. Facing inner aspects of ourselves and discerning what beliefs and dreams and thoughts are our own and what is not, understanding our past conditioning and wounds and facing our own fears, habits and ultimately taking responsibility for our shadow self is all part of healing our relationship with money. It's not just about how much money you have in your bank account. It is not about your debt. And you have to remember, this is really important, this is a big point we'll be making this hour, is that you are not your debt. You are not your bank account. You are higher consciousness evolving every day towards merging with your higher consciousness, evolving, growing. And what does that debt have to do with that? Well, it's a great teacher. It teaches you something that ordinarily you may not get without that specific circumstance, just like relationships or any other aspect of life. You see, it's never, ever about money. Money is a tool, nothing else. It is not who we are. It does not determine our worth. We as human beings place extraordinary value on money in our lives. We spend day after day seeking more of it, and we spend hour after hour worrying about how and why we spend it. We sit and ponder our monthly bills and statements, and we become consumed by it. It eats our minds, our souls, our relationships, our dreams, and it feeds on our energy like a parasite if we let it. So what do we do then? How do we come to an agreement with the power of money in our lives? How do we keep it from weighing us down on all levels, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally? We learn to appreciate it. We bring grace and gratitude back into our experience of life, and we apply it to money. We put it back in its rightful place as a sacred tool. Imagine what it would be if you pulled a green piece of paper out of your pocket right now and declared it a sacred tool. We learn to heal our wounds with money when we do this. When we begin to approach money in a sacred way and filled with gratitude and love, we begin to learn to heal our wounds with money. Now, what do I mean by wounds with money? I will tell you what I mean. When we have any dysfunction with money on any level, if money is anything to us other than a sacred tool to achieve our destiny and dreams, and I might add here, 
that paying off $20,000 in debt is not a dream. It is a means to achieving a dream, a step in the process, but not the dream itself. And that's really important to grasp that understanding. I recently did a seminar at a college, and I spoke to a group of women who, when I asked what their dreams were, they said, paying off my debt. One of them said, paying off my debt. That's my dream. No, it's not. It's not your dream. Your dream has a higher purpose. You have a higher purpose. Paying off your debt is a step in the process. And I repeat, if money is anything other than a sacred tool to achieve your destiny and dreams, there is a dysfunction someplace. Okay? There is a dysfunction someplace. In my new book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, Understanding Your Relationship with Abundance, which is available online at Amazon.com, I speak about the seven laws of financial evolution. And yes, I mean evolution. Because you see, as a human being, you are going to evolve and become enlightened. You are going to eventually bridge your ego with your higher self and evolve. That's part of what we're here to do as human beings. Human beings. We're here to merge those two aspects of life into one. And that same concept is applied to money because everything is connected. All is one. So yes, that means money as well. Why wouldn't it? If everything is energy at its basic level, why would money be any different? Some of the most spiritual people in the world who are world-renowned speakers and teachers get on the phone with somebody that has to do with their money and can become very very unevolved people. <laughs> if you think you're evolved, somebody had once said, spend, your, spend a week with your family and see how evolved you are. Or you can get on, sit down at your kitchen table in the morning and put out all your statements and go through your money. Watch how your, your emotions change. Watch how the feeling that you feel when you start to go through your money begins to change you. You see, it's a very, very important step into the mind and body connection. Okay? So it is about finding balance between drawing money to your life and spending. It is a give and take, an ebb and flow, if you will. It goes with the natural universal law seen around us in all things. Money, your relationship with money is absolutely no different. So where do we start? Well, we start by acknowledging that there is indeed dysfunction. You cannot change what we do not acknowledge. You cannot change what you don't acknowledge in your life. If you don't acknowledge that something needs to be healed, you will constantly come up against that particular aspect of yourself that needs to be healed. The universe will just keep sending you larger and larger messages until you sit down and say, okay, Let's figure this out, and it comes from within. We think that things come from without, but they come from within. Everything comes from within. If you refuse to see that you have a problem with money, others can point it out all they want. We can have mountains of debt and overdue bills, and yet we pile them up and distract ourselves with other things, pushing it out of our minds and repressing our emotions and guilt and pretending it doesn't exist. Money is such a catalyst for bringing out and fine-tuning where we need healing. 
that's just one of the reasons why I chose to write this book. Because as I began to work with my clients for other holistic modalities, whether it be for, for readings or for you know, energy, body work, whatever it was, money was always an issue. And it was something that was an extraordinary power in their life that would, would really just leak amazing amounts of energy. It would just create this hole in our auric field that just leaks this absolutely astonishing amount of personal power and energy. So when we heal our relationship with money, we're not just healing it with money. We're, in fact, claiming back our power and healing the overall aspects of ourselves because we're all connected. So whether we seek healing from abusive childhoods, it's no different than going out and finding healing with your relationship with money. And I'll show you what I mean later on. We have to go to break. And before we do, for those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Hillary Ramo Show. We are discussing my new book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, Understanding Your Relationship with Abundance. We are getting real with our relationships with money today. We are talking about how to move forward in our lives towards achieving true success and happiness. For more information about my work, visit my website, HillaryRamo.com. We'll be right back after these messages. BBSRadio.com. If it's not mainstream, it's on BBS. Right here with your boy, Spider Turner. Just chilling, baby. Kicking back. Listening to the BBS. to a world of inspiring information, removing fear through communication, engaging, powerful, unforgettable. My name is Spider Turner, and you can hear my music right here on the BBS.
Welcome back, everyone. You are currently listening to the Hillary Ramos Show, Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit Talk Radio. I am talking about money and you, your relationship with abundance, and how to draw it to your life and use it to create the life that you have always dreamed of. So where do we start? Hmm? We start by acknowledging that there is indeed dysfunction with our relationship. We cannot change what we do not acknowledge. We have gotten that far. So what do we do then? Once we have taken stock of our physical aspects of our financial relationship, we understand where we are, how we've gotten there. Um, Perhaps we have a little too much debt. Perhaps we have problems with spending. Whatever it is, you sit down and you face it. If you've never, I, believe it or not, in my work, I've met people who've never checked their credit score. It's very common. It's one of these things where it's like people just get so worried or embarrassed that if they admit that they don't understand the language of finance, that they then begin this downward spiral process of just being so ashamed and that shame that they carry with them. They will never admit that they don't know about it. So instead of admitting it or trying to seek out the knowledge about how to do that, they don't. And so they just pretend it away and they don't face it. So it starts by facing every aspect of your money that you possibly can. Okay? That's the first step. You have to see that there is a problem, whether it's with spending, savings, hoarding, not taking your bills serious enough or taking them too serious. However it manifests physically, collection calls, overdue statements, whatever that is, then you sit down and you get real with your life. You then move into what I call the next aspect of self, which is our emotional realm. We go from the physical to the emotional, okay? And you then begin to take a look at your emotions with money because after we face the physical elements of our financial lives, we naturally move, begin to move anyway, into the emotional, hence you know, therefore, that's why most couples who sit down to go over their bills start arguing because the emotional element comes into it automatically and naturally, okay? So when couples sit down and start arguing after they start discussing bills, it's, it's very, very common, and it's a big, big example of how we move into our emotions. You move into your emotions, whether it be anger or frustration, etc., whatever. You ask yourself, Are you drowning in debt and perhaps drowning in your emotions? How do you feel about money? Do you hate it? Do you fight about it with your partner or spouse? Did your parents fight about it? Does it bring up resentment? Did you go through a divorce or separation and have to rebuild everything? There is usually, I'd say 90% of the time, there is usually an emotional energy that tags on to our relationship with money that has nothing to do with money, nothing. And I can almost guarantee you that if you sit down and you look at your emotion life, your emotional life with money, the core, the source of that energy usually has to do with wounds or pain or some kind of psychological hurt that has to do with whatever. And it, and it can really be anything, anything that you find yourself so upset with um, tends to manifest in this way. We look at our dreams also in the emotional realm as well. What do we hope to do with our life? What have you always dreamed of doing? Do your dreams belong to you? Or have they been handed to you by others 
who told you that your dreams were perhaps a waste of time when you were young or not worth pursuing, and perhaps they told you that with good intentions, of course, but hoping, maybe hoping to lead you to do something that perhaps you don't love but will provide you with some sense of security, such as becoming a doctor or a lawyer, for example. But it was never truly your dream, and you see this a lot. You really do. You see this a lot. However, what does that mean? You know, when my dreams are my own, you know, your parents always have probably good intentions with trying to lead you away. However, we'll we'll talk more about that later as we go on also. So you've adopted these dreams from other people like lost children, and you tucked away your dream and let someone else's dreams become your reality. It's in a sense like your dream slowly died, like a forgotten flower in a weed-filled garden. And that may sound dramatic, but that, of course, is what it's like, that grief, that emotional energy has to be acknowledged, seen, and felt, and released. Once you begin the slow process of weaning out your gardens of dreams, if you will, you pull out the plants that you did not seed. And I'm speaking, of course, you know, in a way that is hopefully able to, you know, give you an idea of what I mean here. Once you begin the slow process, you know, you have a garden of dreams. You know, we are all individual entities, but yet we live collectively, and it's one of the big lessons to be able to separate your beliefs, your mindset from others. You know, things that don't belong to you because, in a sense, these dreams don't belong to you because they did not come from your womb, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. Whether you're male or female, you have a womb. You have a womb within your sacred self, within your auric field, and that is where creativity is birthed from. That is where acts of power or manifestations are are birthed from. So when you take on dreams that don't belong to you, you are, in a sense, adopting something that doesn't belong to you, and they're not yours. So... When you do this and they don't come from your womb, they're not your children. They're not something that's of you. You see, it's about looking at these past events and seeing where we are connected emotionally and wounded. Again, if we refuse to see it, we cannot heal it. We will not move past this sacred aspect of self to heal the whole picture. So what do we do? What, what, so what do we find in our emotional relationship with money? We find our deepest and most often our most painful experiences and fears. That's really what's there. Something we're so afraid of. Perhaps we're afraid of failure or perhaps we're afraid of success or perhaps we're afraid of, you know, it could even be as dramatic as death. Perhaps we think if we don't go on that hamster wheel day in and day out and go round and round and face what we have to face financially, afraid that those bills won't get paid next month. We keep ourselves in a mindset of fear. You know, you look at the economy today. It's a big subject, and I'm not the only person talking about it, obviously. It's, just, it's all over the place. So what do you do with that? Do you adopt that mindset as your own, or do you choose to see it your own way? Do you choose to not fall into that scarcity and fear mindset and, and feel the connectedness that you have to spirit and the gratitude that you have in your life and apply it 
to all aspects of your life, including abundance. So once we've taken a look at our physical aspects of life, we move into our emotional aspects of life. Okay? It's like a wheel, if you will. If you imagine it like a wheel, we start, uh, I guess it would be at the bottom of the wheel, we say our physical, then we move clockwise around the wheel, we move to our emotional, and then at the top is our spiritual. Next, we look at our spiritual relationship with money. Do you feel conflicted about being spiritual and seeking money and success in your life? If so, why? Whose belief does that belong to? Because it's certainly not yours. Somewhere, somehow, someone told you that, and it became your mindset. It is not our natural state of being to not follow our hearts, and our dreams are part of our hearts. Somehow you learned or were conditioned that being spiritual meant giving up your identity with form, and with that form meant money, when in fact it is not about giving up form but about healing and balancing our relationships with form. And understanding that we are not form does not mean we don't use form still. We all have practical aspects of our life that need tending to because it is part of life. Form is a vehicle for enlightened expression. You know, a painter cannot create a work of art if they do not have brushes or some way of applying the paint. My point is, is that money is form, and it is a tool. And as long as we don't identify with it, it does not become who we are. It is very much like learning to live with your ego as a human being, which is spiritual. That's a big spiritual lesson. As long as you don't identify with your ego, your ego does not control your experience. You learn to use your ego as a tool to create and ground yourself in what you do. And money works the same way. It is a tool that you use to manifest your true self in the world. It is your paintbrush, and it's sacred. How does a painter create a beautiful work of art without some way of getting the paint on the canvas? Whether it's throwing it on, it's the inertia behind the actual movement, or if he uses his hands, it's that form that he uses to create that. It's that tool whether it's a brush or however it's created. It has to be done with form. You have to understand that form is part of the world. It is why we're here. Whatever you believe about the grand workings of life, it doesn't matter. You know, we all can understand how money, what money is kind of one of those things where no matter who you are, you have to deal with. Abundance in all its expressions, including that green piece of paper we still hold on to, is rightfully ours. It is universal law that abundance flows to all who are, who are open to it, really. All you have to be is open to it. All you have to do is stand on your own two feet and say, okay, but you do have to also take responsibility. You see, it's not just about sitting back and saying to the universe, okay, I want $10,000, so deliver it. We do have to take our part, and it's not that easy, unfortunately. <laughs> Love, laughter, and happiness, and seeing beauty everywhere, loving what you do, and being fully present in life are also all forms of abundance. Appreciating the freedom that money brings you is also part of that. It's not separate from life. So our spiritual relationship with life 
it's about grace and gratitude and understanding that it, it's needed and we have to be able to work with it in a way that balances who we are and how we accomplish and manifest in the world and how we paint. You know, we are all painting a picture and it's called our life. So how, what tools are you using right now to create that picture? Well, certainly, I'm sure you're doing many things great to create whatever it is you're trying to create in your life, and money is certainly part of that. After we've taken a look at our physical and emotional and spiritual life, we move into our mental relationship with money. And it completes our way around the wheel, if you will. And all of these aspects are like spokes in a wheel, you know, and if one is missing, the, the wheel just doesn't quite work right. So how do you heal your relationship with money? You begin by going into it very deeply and looking at all of these things. And, and folks, I have to tell you, it doesn't start by blaming someone else out there or getting mad at our financial planners or people that help, you know are outside of us. It starts by going in. You know, now we have to turn around and look at our beliefs about money. If we are to truly change our experience of abundance, we have to look at our belief systems. We hear this all the time now. We hear this everywhere. You believe what you believe, create your experience. There are tons and tons of wonderful things out there teaching that, and so we're getting that. Thank God. Just like our dreams, we have to see if our beliefs indeed belong to us. We are conditioned from infants to think like our parents or caregivers whether the intention is good or perhaps not. For those that have come from very abusive childhoods, you know, it's still, that is still a belief system. And I've worked with people for many years who come from that background. And I see it all the time. And I've certainly lived it. So I can understand it on many, many levels. Sometimes in obvious and subtle ways, parents may have the best intentions for their children However, if children are not given space to think and decide for themselves without someone telling them at every move what is right or what is wrong, what is good or what is bad, they never learn to decide or think for themselves. I am not suggesting that teaching right from wrong is bad, but I am suggesting that not allowing a child to find for themselves sometimes, find out for themselves, you know, to experience life with their own definitions. And this can apply to a person at any age. You take away someone's power by telling them what they should or should not do all the time. I see it happen all the time. When the minute, I call it a case of the shoulds. <laughs> when somebody has a case of the shoulds, they're always telling you what you should do. And they may not even be conscious that that's what they're doing. But what they're doing on an energetic level is taking your power away. And if you don't question that, you're giving it to them. You're allowing your power to be taken. You're allowing your energy to be taken. Because you are not defining your own boundaries. So we begin the long process of recovering our minds believing in ourselves and our own intuitive self, and we slowly recover from what I call the disease of doubt. We all have it, and it's rampant. And we doubt every aspect of our life. We doubt our career choices. We doubt our partners or spouses. We doubt 
We doubt the choices that we've made in our life. We doubt the way that we have created in our life. We doubt everything. We doubt moving. Movement, period. Mindsets are passed down from person to person, generation to generation. You know, I see it a lot when people worry about their wills and how their assets are going to be handled at the end of their life, which is very important. It's part of the physical aspect of life. However, it's very interesting to watch how a mindset is passed down from person to person, generation to generation. If you take a a long look at how your parents viewed money, you will find similarities in how you treat money. If your father has a problem with money, meaning he never spent it and hoarded it and worried constantly, you probably have that too. If one parent had a different relationship with money than another, perhaps your mother spent a lot and was always spending and your father was always trying to save and it was the, the catalyst of many, many arguments, then you most likely argue about money too. And you probably attract your, a mate to yourself that has very similar belief systems about money as your parents did. We have individual mindsets and collective mindsets. So we have a lot of mindsets that perhaps are not our own. We are told what to think everywhere we go today, what to buy, what to wear, what to drive, what is acceptable, what isn't. We're told how to look, what defines beauty, and what doesn't. We are told what to think moment to moment every single day. It's a fact. You can see it in advertising, and people will pay fortune, a fortune to catch you and make their mindsets and belief systems your own. For those of you just joining us, you're listening to the Hillary Ramos Show. We are discussing my new book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, Understanding Your Relationship with Abundance. We are getting real with our relationships with money. We are talking about how to move forward in our lives to achieve true success and happiness. And for more information about my work, please visit my website, HillaryRamo.com. We'll be right back after this message. Hey everybody, this is your new friend, Julio, and I'm talking to you because I like to listen to BBSRadio.com. I sneak over the border every day, and I go see my girlfriend. She got a computer. Come on now, sing it, girls. Welcome back, everyone. You are currently listening to the Hillary Ramos Show, Matters from Mind, Body, and Spirit Talk Radio, and I'm talking about money and you. So call me. Let's talk. 
I want to hear about your relationship with abundance and how you draw it to your life or don't draw it to your life and use it to create the life that you've always dreamed of. That's what we're talking about. We are discussing my new book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, which is available on Amazon.com. You know, before we went to break, we were talking about mindsets. and We were talking about what that means to leave behind your legacy in the form of a mindset. And I talk at great length about this in my book because over the course of years, you know, I have worked with clients, and when I was researching this book and I was, I was interviewing people and clients that were willing to talk to me about their stories with money and how, how it affected their life and how really on all levels, um, it was amazing to me how mindsets were one of the biggest things that I had to work with them on over the majority of the time because they just, it's very hard for people to let go of a mindset. We, you know, we hear about changing our belief systems, but a mindset comes from the unconscious mind. You see, we can change our beliefs on the conscious level, but our mindsets are deeply embedded into our unconscious mind. So it will come out in ways that we, <clears throat> excuse me, perhaps we're not familiar with. You know, I get asked this question all the time. How come these circumstances are being drawn to my life? How come I keep hitting the bumps in the road, so to speak? How come I keep bumping up against these particular circumstances? And, and, you know, I I get the lesson, however, however, and I, I stand by this 100%, if you keep finding something coming up in your life over and over and you're aware enough to catch the similarities between them, between the different circumstances. It may be with different people, different circumstances, you know. It's it just if you're constantly met with an energetic, perhaps it's negativity, perhaps it's hatred, perhaps it's anger or whatever, you have to stop and take a look at that. And what you begin to do is you begin to open up Strands. Remember we talked about the web in the beginning, and if you missed that part, go back to my homepage on BBS Radio and listen to my archives and listen to this show over and over again. I am going to be doing these shows once a month, okay, maybe two if I have the time. We're going to be doing either one or two uh, nights a month on this very subject. So if you have questions or you have something that perhaps this is jarring questions for you as you listen to this, send them to me, and I will answer them live on the show. You can be anonymous. You don't have to be specific. It can be very general. Or if you have something that's really tough and you perhaps don't want to talk about it live on the air, have a session with me. You can go to my homepage and you can purchase a session, and we can sit down and we can go ahead and do what I call financial readings or financial intuitive counseling sessions. What I do is I focus on when somebody shares their story with me, about we talk about the relationship with money. I narrow it down to one thing. It's kind of like when you when you analyze one aspect of yourself, you can see because everything's contained, you know, in the whole. The microcosm, you know, contains the macrocosm. So you can begin to see, and that's how I work. That's what I've been trained to do. That's what I do. You know. As I said before, the process of disintegration begins and we see how subtle manipulation has worked us 
like a piece of putty. Good intentions or not, it doesn't matter. Only then, when we have discarded what no longer serves us, what's no longer ours, are we able to act from a place of empowered movement in our lives in the world. You know, when you leak personal power and energy and you're giving it off to everybody else's belief systems and mindsets, you're like this big blob of, of energetic jelly. And when you begin to call those aspects back to you and say, wait a minute, mom, dad, you know, husband, wife, you've always told me this, but I don't believe that about myself. And you begin to take back that particular aspect and work it back and you begin to give yourself a form. Okay? Energetically, your energy bodies, every single one of us out there has an energy body. Everyone. Every living thing has an energy body. And this is how shamans work. Shamans work with working with those energy bodies. Okay? And when you have a very defined energy body, you know who you are at deep, deep levels. You have cleared, I call it the unconscious debris, and you have gone to the source. You then become a very defined energy body, and it merges with your physical body, and you become a very powerful force in the world and it's scary for a lot of people to do that but when they do and they make the choice to make a difference in this world everything they touch is empowered in my book I talk about something you know we have a question I'm going to go ahead and go right to the question because before we get into what I call the seven lessons of financial evolution you can certainly read through them and find them in my book I would like to get to one of the questions that was submitted by one of my listeners, I have a question from Dawn in Denver. Hi, Dawn. Dawn asks, how can I let go of the pain from my divorce? I can't get my life together since then, and my financial situation is really bad. What do I do? Well, you know, Dawn, you're not alone, and there's a lot of people, and women especially. You know, if you're, I have to ask this question, and I put it out there to the whole world on Worldwide Internet Radio. If you're a woman right now, you should know where your money is. Very often, and it's so common, we get married, we let the man deal with the money. And, I, and it's nothing, it's just what our conditioning is. That our conditioning has given us the mindset that that's how we do it. I have met women who have very, very successful husbands, have a lot of money, and they don't have a clue where the money is. They don't know where their savings are. They don't know the account numbers. They don't even know if their names are on anything. They just trust blind trust. They stay home and they raise the kids and the, the, the husband goes out and works and makes all the money. When a divorce comes around, all of a sudden it's like shock. And they're sitting in the middle of their life taking stock of what happened. It's a very, very common thing. And Dawn, you are not alone Financial situations after divorce are really, really common. It starts with dealing with taking stock of your life. Look where the money is. Okay, just put it on the table and deal with it. But then, and this is really key, it starts by dealing with the heartache. Because I don't care what kind of divorce people have had, there's always, always some kind of heartache deep, deep down inside. You married the person for a reason. You're with the person for a reason. Something made you marry them. Something drew you to them. There was love at some point. 
So unless you've done a tremendous amount of dealing with that loss of the relationship, okay, then perhaps it won't be so emotional for you. But if it's not so emotional, you would be able to just move into the facts of your financial situation and you would not be so caught up in not being able to move forward. Folks, if you can't move forward in your life, there's an emotional energy attached to it. Okay, it's like parasitic. It just attaches to it and it just eats up all of the personal energy we give off with that and we can be conscious of it or not. So if you can't let go of something, the pain, the heartache, you have to look at it. Letting go of the ending of the marriage and perhaps doing a, you know, maybe do a ceremony to celebrate the new you. Bring in the spiritual aspect of life, okay? That's the next thing you do. You bring in something we all believe in something bigger than ourselves. I don't care if it's, you call it spirit, Buddha, God, Jesus, whatever you want to call it, okay? That's what you connect to, your higher power. Even if you don't believe in God, think about how you feel when you walk out in nature. That connectiveness, that beauty. Think of beauty. Think of something that inspires you, something that brings you joy, okay? And celebrate it. You know, I have to say that tonight is the new moon, for July, and this is a perfect, perfect time tonight. After you're done listening to the show, do it now. Do it, do it at some point. Just write it down on a piece of paper and declare your independence towards financial freedom and achieving your dreams, okay? New moons are fabulous energy. My astrologer tells me this, too, and her name's Mary Lamondo, and if she's out there, hi, Mary. She's going to be doing a show with me next week, and we're going to be talking about astrology. So tune back in next week because she's fantastic. Um, anyway, so when we're, when we're, you know, Dawn, do that. Celebrate something. Go out and, and celebrate it. Just, you know, don't spend money. Write it down on a piece of paper and, and burn it in a fire and let it go. Write down the things that no longer serve you with your emotional attachment, Okay. And then you have to sit down again and take stock of where you are financially, and I can almost 90% guarantee that it will be a different experience for you, okay? And if it's not, then there's still something else you have to let go of. You have to keep doing this over and over until you have gotten to the core of what that emotional energy is, and you use a spiritual connection as a tool to do that, revisit your belief systems and your mindsets, Perhaps your husband told you, you know, or somebody told you something along the way that you wouldn't amount to anything. But there's some thought that is an energetic in our mind that is holding us prisoner, okay? So we have a lot of work to do. If people think it's very simple, it's not, because that's why these things keep coming back up and coming back up. Know what your debt is, Don. okay? When you get to the point where you can sit down and be comfortable with it, know what interest rate you're paying on your debt, sit down and make a plan to pay it down. That is all there is to it. That's all there is. It's a factual thing. It's a black and white thing. You have debt, you pay down debt. Make it automatic. There are a, a ton of books out there, ton of great, great people who are doing great things with teaching people how to work with money on that level. So find whatever, whoever calls to you, whoever can give you great advice, and just trust it, okay? Then if you need more money, go out and get a job or a different job or two jobs. You know, there was a point in my life where I worked three jobs 
there was a point, my husband had had a business and lost it, and we were in a horrible situation. I had, had, an, I had a two-year-old and a newborn, and I was waitressing 50 hours a week just so we could stay with our heads above the water. You do what you have to do. I can understand. I've been there myself. Jobs are also tools to get you from point A to point B, okay? So when you take a job, it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers or you are a CEO of a company. You're not defined by your job. You are all here for a greater purpose, whether you're a CEO of a company or you flip burgers. It doesn't matter. You're using the money as a tool to achieve your dreams, okay? So just do what you have to do. And, again, if you have problems, if you, have, if you struggle and you can't quite grasp that, it's because there's an emotional energy attached to it and there's a belief system that's attached to that, okay? So you then have to go back and do the cycle again. Okay, well, why am I having a problem with going out and perhaps getting another job or whatever, okay? So that's a constant thing. Buy my book, read through it, understand the steps. I take you deep into working with those four sacred aspects of self, okay? And if you have problems and you still can't quite grasp it, have a session with me. And we'll work through some of the harder details. Okay, so from Maria in New York, Maria asks, I'm trying to pay off debt, and I feel like I'm getting nowhere. Any advice? Maria, start with the small bills first. Line up your debt in order of least to greatest. And each small debt you pay off will be an accomplishment. And you will feel success sooner and be encouraged to keep going. And remember, Maria, you are not your debt. That is so important. We're coming to the end of our hour, but I just want to get that across. You are not your money. That's like saying you're your clothes or you're your car. It's a physical expression of higher enlightenment. It's, a, it's got consciousness in the sense that it's an energetic. Everything is energy, guys. Everything. The chair you're sitting on, the computer you're looking at, the headphones you have in your ear, the, the coffee cup you drink out, it's all energy. It's all energy, okay? So, Maria, how do you start by paying, how do you, how do you pay off debt and you feel like you're going nowhere? You're probably not getting those little accomplishments that you need. So, try that, and I can almost guarantee you that will work very well. Um, Joanne from California asks, real quick, before we have to go, I want to travel, but with the economy the way it is, I'm so worried about spending the money. How do I find some common ground? Oh, this is such a good one. I have to tell you, I'm leading a trip to Egypt, okay? I am guiding a trip to Egypt in April, and I get asked this question all the time. How can one spend $4,444 on a trip? Well, let me break it down for you, okay? If you break down this money... Over 10 months, it's $444.44 a month. Weekly, it's $111.11 a week. Daily, it's $15.87. Find what you're spending your money on and make a conscious choice to switch it. You can find $15 a day and, and fulfill your dream of traveling. Go to Egypt. Come with me. It's a great thing. It's going to be an extraordinary gift. When you're 80, you will never remember spending the $5,000 to go. 
you'll remember the extraordinary experiences, and I'm going to close with this tonight because this is one of the big points I drive home with my book. Folks, it's not the money. It's the experiences and the moments that we have in our life that we bring with us in the end. I'm Hillary Ramo, and folks, until next time, live well, namaste, and I will see you soon.